Once the world was full of wonders, but it belongs to humans now. We creatures have all but disappeared. Demons, vampires and witches, hiding in plain sight, fearful of discovery, ill at ease even with each other. again to a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires podcast, a weekly discussion on the television series, A Discovery of Witches, which can be found numerous places, uh, including uh, the United States on the Shudder television station. Uh, in Britain, I believe it is Sky, uh, but there's like two or three, I think, in both the U.S. and Britain that it can be found. Uh, we are here to basically talk about each episode as they pop up and give our feedback, decipher them, uh, critique them, uh, give theories, opinions, and whatnot. For folks who are new to the podcast or who are uh, here to join us for maybe um, one or two times or just follow this one podcast, uh, who we are. We are part of the Dark Discussions Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It is a genre website that it basically is a news website on all things genre. So uh, movies, television shows, video games, uh, memorabilia, all sorts of things. Basically, there's columns, uh, release notices, podcasts, uh, video, all sorts of things. Uh, basically, if you follow uh, genre uh, news, uh, darkdiscussions.com should be a website you come to daily. It's updated daily. Um, all right, so let's get into who we are as individuals. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how are you? I'm all right. Excellent. And in... The state of Missouri. Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Uh, both happy and sad that I did not win either Mega Millions and Powerball. Yeah, I would be sad well, because, well, happy at least you tried. Sad you didn't win. Well, it's 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 kind of like when I, I I mean, I normally do not do either of those. But I mean, when you're getting up into like seven or eight hundred yeah. million dollars, nine hundred and something million, nine hundred seventy million dollars. If you're OK, OK, fine. I'll 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 bite the bullet, even though I, you know, some people call the, the lottery uh, attacks on those who can't do the math. Look, I, I know I, I know the math and the math is just crazy. But I mean. It's nine hundred seventy million dollars, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, come Stop on, to win. <laughs> but the thing is, is that if you win, like I've read so many stories about people who won and then their lives are utterly ruined. So wow. it's just, uh, 
They don't. Like, well, so, yeah, no, those are the, I'm sure someone like yourself, Barrett, or myself winning, uh, life wouldn't be destroyed because. Yeah, if I got a billion dollars, I'd give a million to Dark Discussions. You'd make it even better. <laughs> there you go. There you well, go. I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, like, what, you know, what would you do with, you know, if you won the lotto and all that? And I mean, yeah, there's like the nice house, the trip around the world. But then I'm thinking, you know, there are a few books that I've read that I would love to see made into movies, you know, and with with near like with I mean, if you take it all in one lump sum, uh, you're talking um, you're talking maybe, you know, 10 million dollars a movie. Yeah, I think I could afford that. Yeah, you know, and so I mean, it'd be and, and not only that, but think about the the charities or you could even start your own non for profit organization like part of me wants to I would love to get an organization together that would that would help teachers buy the supplies they need in their class, because a lot of times they pay for it, they have to pay for it out of their own pocket. And I would love to be able to just set something up and said, hey, you know, you need money and the taxes aren't going to help you here. here here's here's you know. Here's a thousand bucks. Hopefully that'll do the, who the, that'll do the trick for you. You know, I'd love to be able to do that, but you know, since I didn't win the mega millions, I can't do that right now. All right, so uh, back to our podcast. Uh, what we <laughs> Sorry, have... you and all you asked me was, so Kevin, how are you? That's true. Um, so uh, back to the podcast. Uh, basically, you can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the contact us link. And you can fill out the form there, which will send a message to us just like an email. Uh, so we are always uh, willing to read your email on the podcast. Uh, basically, your thoughts on the show, the books, differences, uh, opinions on uh, the leads, uh, storylines, whatever, we're willing to uh, hear what you think, and we will read it on the podcast. Uh, also, uh, we do have a Twitter account, Dark Discussion One, and we do have a Facebook group called Dark Discussions Podcast. And uh, on the f- Facebook group, there's a lot of discussions of all sorts of things, including this television show, and you can join in the conversation, or you can even start your own uh, topic there as well. Uh, so hopefully uh, you will join us. Um, so uh, a couple of things of note directly related to this podcast. Since the beginning of the year, January 1st, uh, today, by the way, is January 24th, 2021. But since the beginning of the year, uh, Discovery of Witches is, uh, with the three episodes that are out, two of the episodes, uh, the episode one of the season two and then the season one recap episodes are one in two most downloaded and most listened to episodes in the network. Um, with all three of them together, we're, we're over a, th- a thousand uh, listens. Uh, it's become one of the most popular podcasts on the network. So all you folks who are listening, uh, we don't know who you are um, or what you do or where you're from because we haven't had much uh, email. Um, but, uh, thank you for participating in our discussion by at least, uh, downloading us and listening to us. Um, all right. So, uh, tonight we're going to discuss, uh, episode three of season two and episode three of season two is, uh, 
let me see here. It came out actually, like we've said each week, uh, it comes out on two different days for the two uh, different locations that it's uh, actually we, we know listeners are coming from. So in the UK, it is Friday nights, and that was January 22nd. And for U.S., uh, it is January 23rd, Saturday night. Uh, for folks who are interested, uh, author of the All Souls trilogy that these um, shows are, are based on, basically the books, Deborah Harkness, uh, she does a live um, Twitter run of the show uh, basically um there's a hashtag so you just go to deborah harkness's uh face uh twitter account and there's a hashtag there that she uses and basically it's a live watching of show where she along with any fans who used the hashtag uh can follow along and she answers questions and discusses the show as it's going uh and she's been doing that now um throughout season two um, all right, so I guess we can get into information tonight. Um, there's no title, as we've discussed. They're, they don't do titles like other shows, so uh, it's just called Episode 3, um, or basically Episode 11 of the series. Uh, Philippa Langdale is the director. She's done mostly uh, television stuff, it appears, in the UK. And Polly Buckle is the screenwriter for the sh- this episode, and again, she seems to uh, write screenplays um, for TV in the UK. Um, the show, uh, as people know, stars Teresa Palmer and Matthew Good. Teresa Palmer stars as Deanna Bishop and Matthew Good as Matthew Claremont. Um, all right, so I guess we can go around to discuss uh, our feelings of episode three. Uh, before we get into critiquing and reviewing it. So uh, let's go with you, Kevin. Uh, actually, I just finished it uh, not more than an hour ago. I thought it was good as always. Um, there's no real, I guess you can say, explanation into maybe some questions, but they still, they're doing a very good job on building it up. All right, very well. Uh, all right. What about you, Barrett? Um, I like this episode a lot. Um, yeah, there's, there's not, it's, it's definitely a lead up episode. Um, we're getting a little more of everything and, uh, the plot is thickening as you might say. Um, but yeah, it was a really good episode. I enjoyed it. Okay. Very good. Um, yeah, for me, um, yeah, we were introduced to a uh, number of new characters, whether they'll be major characters uh, going forward, not sure, but uh, they're new characters. Um, there's some uh, really good special effects in this episode. Um, the story is progressing. Um, I do like their new, um, I guess, um, plot device that, that is, is going to force them to delay their travel back to uh modern era because of um uh trying to get the book um so yeah i I would say this is a a very solid uh episode um as good as uh pretty much the rest that we've seen so far all right so that's that um i guess we can get into 
the specifics now. Um, let's see uh, what here we have here. Uh, um, this is what Wiki says about the, the show, this episode. Uh, again, we're spoiling on this because anybody who's listening has probably already watched uh, the episode, and they're here to uh, hear further details, feedback, opinions, and predictions. Uh, Matthew seeks forgiveness from Hubbard, who seems placated for now. Cecil, however, is losing trust in him. Diana trains in Weaver magic with Goody Elsop and performs alchemical experiments with her new friend, Mary Sidney. Mary's advice leads Deanna and Matthew to the Queen's astrologer, John D., whose former scribe, Edward Kelly, stole a valuable book that supposedly holds the secret to immortality. This, this sounds very likely to be the book of life, and Matthew offers to retrieve it. Cecil finds out about Deanna and orders Matthew to bring her before Queen Elizabeth. Matthew blames Kit for this, despite his protestations, and orders him to stay away. The Queen believes Kelly, now in the hands of King Rudolph of Bohemia, can create the Philosopher's Stone, and she asks, tasks Matthew with bringing him back to England. However, Matthew's nephew, Galloglass, soon arrives with a summons from Philippe. Not only must they interrupt Deanna's training in their search for the Book of Life, they must leave behind Jack, who has become very dear to them. So that's the synopsis. So let's begin. Uh, Just to let you know, it's Diana, not Deanna. Fair enough. All right. So uh, you're absolutely right, because my sister-in-law is Deanna, and it's spelled D-E instead of D-I. So I'm so used to saying Deanna that I screwed that one up. All right. So let's, uh, let's get this going. What do we got? Where do we want to start? We want to start with Kevin's usual summary or was yeah. it enough well oh. I the fact what phil just did is probably a whole lot better of a summary that i can really do uh it was structured i ramble um but like i mean it's we saw a couple different things we saw um i mean we were still jumping back and forth uh between the Elizabethan era and the modern era in, in England. Um, and one of the things that we did see, I mean, one of the things that we saw uh, on today was, was mostly, well, there were two main things we saw. Okay. One, we saw somebody get like, they, we did, they just found a dead body that was chewed up like really, really bad. I mean, obviously the guy's dead, but he was chewed up and in the modern in the modern era, in the modern era, right? In the modern de- modern day, we saw somebody that was really badly chewed up, and so they they talked about a kind of like an they called it an uncontrolled feeding, but some other called it made, made it sound like it was a disease, like like vampiric rage or something like that, or a madness or something. And um, you know, this one guy, I can't remember what his role is, but he um wants to he 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 kind of sees this as an opportunity to get rid of matthew's family's position in the vampire community if not just utterly destroy them uh and use this as for some reason use this somehow and the head the other head vampire that's on the council 
uh, on that on the council of the the creatures, um, he's willing to talk about a deal like how would you know what would this do? And the guy said, "I want Venice." You know, and he said when I and he said he made it sound interesting. He says, "You know, when I ran it, it was the center of the world, center of art and all that." You know, with you, it's become a bunch of tourist shops. You know, and I've I've been to Venice, so I I have to confess, I I kind of know what he's talking about. Um, even though it, it is a it's a fantastic city, and if you can go visit, I would recommend it. Um, another thing we saw, which was kind of interesting, it wasn't much, but it was Diana's aunt's wife. She's doing some sort of spell at her table. I'm still not quite sure what she's she's trying to contact somebody. And in the smoke, someone comes, named Rebecca. Oh, that's right. her name, Rebecca. Okay. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, no, no. she's I, looking. I yeah, she's trying to get up. To, she's trying to get a hold of somebody named Rebecca, but then this face shows up in the smoke, and she's always wiping it away like she's afraid of it or something like that. And I'm trying to figure out. And I, then the head showed up. Yeah, you know, it's like Rebecca. so. That's right. What I thought kind of happened. Well, the thing is, if she's trying to get a hold of Rebecca and then there's this face that showed up, if that's Rebecca's face, then why is she freaking it out, freaking out and trying to wave no, it all? No, what I was saying was I don't think she's trying to get a hold of Rebecca. I think she's trying to check on Diana somehow. And she's getting... Well, she's calling... No, but she's calling Rebecca. Or after she, sure that's the face, right? The, no, no. Oh, that's I, right, because at one point, she didn't she say, you know, Rebecca, tell me how uh, Diana's doing or something like that. Right, right. So she's trying to commune with yeah. Rebecca. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I mean, so we have this face, and I don't recognize the face. And it's too hard in the smoke. It's too hard in the smoke, but obviously the, the, the woman, was it Lou, 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 Lou or something? I don't remember. Um, you know, she, she wipes it away, you know, and you see her doing this a couple of times. Uh, and that's kind of what's been going on in, in modern, modern times. Um, now, for, for people that are curious, the name Rebecca is the name of Diana's mom. Right. So oh, that I mean, I, I'm curious if she's communing with the dead. Well, that's that's very. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, but but and also she's doing it without Diana's um, aunt. Uh, yeah, blood aunt. Right. From knowing, so she's doing it in almost in hiding, right? So that's interesting. Yeah, and, then, and then it's like as Phil mentioned, um, Matthew de Claremont wants to talk to, uh, goes to the uh, the vampire priest, if you will, and he's pretty much saying, "I I'm sorry that, um, you know, your, uh, you know, the 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 guy died." Um, no, I'm sorry. I killed that guy that, uh, that you wanted me to save. And the thing is, is that Matthew was seemed pretty broken up over it. And the priest kind of figures that out. You know, one point he said, you know, says, boy, that witch has really done a number on, you know, really influenced you. He says, it's not because of Diana, you know? So, I mean, he's really upset that he, he right. went through all of that, you know. That well, and, and technically, that I was confused when he said that because technically it was because of Diana because he's trying to protect her, but it was not Diana who told him to do it. And oh, I think, right. 
I think that's what he was answering, right? That it wasn't Deanna who told me to do it. Well, no, it was, it wasn't, he pretty much, he was saying is it's not, be, it's not because of Diane. I, well, he says, it's not because of Diana. I regret it. That's what he was saying. He says, he's like, I regret it. Not because of Diana, but I just regret it because I, it was, he really was not happy about doing it. Okay. That, that may be. Be an interpretation too. Okay, that, that's fair. Yeah. So continue. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, you know, and the priest, there's a little look on his face that he kind of reacts, kind of like almost like he says, you know, oh, okay, well now I might actually have some power over, over Matthew, you know, right now. But the thing is, is that this guy has already written to, um, you know, written to uh, Matthew's dad. And yeah, um, and so that it, there's a few other things that were going on, but um, just trying to think of anything else. I mean, there's a lot of other significant things going on, but uh, oh, and then of course, we meet the queen, we meet Queen Elizabeth herself, uh, who is a little upset that Matthew did not introduce her, uh, you know, introduce Diana to the her, her majesty. But uh, Matthew is pretty much saying, hey, look, you know, she just got here. She's not really. Um, I wanted to get her acclimated to London first before I, I, I bring her to you. And they the queen is seems to be impressed with Diana. But there are still some obvious suspicions. Right. And one thing we did learn probably officially now at least for me was that those in power those of, the, of importance uh know that the mystical creatures do exist oh yeah yeah and then there's this other thing where the guy that's supposed to be in charge of it's almost like the inquisition guy um you know knows about diana and uh Matthew is really, really angry, and he thinks it's his demon friend, um, Kit. And it just pretty much he, he just and, and Kit's like, look, it wasn't me. Honestly, it wasn't me. And Matthew doesn't believe him. Right. It's basically Cecil is the guy that kind of knows everything, and he kind of right. I think works for Elizabeth. Um, and he knew already about Deanna's existence even uh, before Matthew has decided to introduce Deanna to, I keep on saying Deanna, Diana to the the queen, queen and, and various other people of importance. Um, and that's, yeah. So there's another issue that happens between he, him and Kit uh, because he believes Kit once again has told somebody about Diana when he was specifically stated not to. Now, I, I understand that why Matthew would assume it was Kit because we already found out that Kit did it once before. And plus Kit has been a pain in the ass pretty much or almost an, an antagonist to the series since season two began. But we find out that he wasn't guilty of doing it. Cecil just knows these things because of the the you know he has his 
to use a Gamer Thrones reference, his little birds out and about that know every you know, so he has spies everywhere. Um, say little birds. What what about the kid that they've taken on? Because he he knows everything about everyone. I wonder about him. Right. Well, he didn't believe they were they were witches, though. Remember, he said he said I don't believe in witches. That's why I'm not scared of you. Yeah, I know he didn't believe in witches, but it might be how he knows about her. Sure. Yeah. So he could be a spy too, and and that that may be a possibility. Uh, also, um, the the issue with with Kit too is even though he was innocent in this case, Cecil did say if it benefited you to tell me about Diana, you most certainly would have. Meaning, yeah. <laughs> yes. So. So he's not still not necessarily trustworthy in a sense. If if Cecil kind of alluded that he's basically out for himself type of thing, and he's already his spy because he said you should have told me this. It should have been you. That's right. true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so Kid has kind of been lucky because you know since he didn't tell Cecil. Technically, he disobeyed an, an order of the, the government, so that you know, in a, in a true dictatorship, and, and especially in 1590, you would think that okay, that's jail time. But obviously, he has some sort of value that Cecil de- decides to just scold him and and let it go. Yeah, I, th- I felt like it was a pretty light scolding too, and he's just like, "Go away! I don't, I'm not talking to you right now. I don't have time for you." Yeah, yeah, and and all them. <laughs> All I can think of is is two things. One, Cecil is a is I, I mean not Cecil uh, Kit I believe is a demon, right? We've discussed that. Yeah. So he may have a, a power that would be a little too much of a issue for Cecil to actually do any major punishment. And the other one is maybe he he is more important uh, to Cecil than alienating him or disposing of him. I think that's more the more likely thing because from what we read last week about the, you know the history of the books is that demons really they live as long as humans they're just more they do more creative stuff and they're right. more, they're, they're more likely to be insane or whatever. So I don't know that they're more sturdy or able to do more than anybody else but I, I think you could be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have a different type of intelligence um, that is is stronger and better in certain areas than regular humans, but otherwise they seem to be similar to witches and, and humans in lifespan, and then maybe um, not have as many supernatural powers as witches or, or vampires do. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Thinking so too. They're like um, a shoot of humans that didn't get much of anything. <laughs> witches got powers. <laughs> and they're an offshoot of the humans and then demons are just an offshoot and didn't get crap. Yeah, right. Um all right, so let's see. What else do we want to discuss? Uh, yeah, so so it appears that um, a lot of folks in this show have, I guess, um, greed for uh, talismans, basically, right? The book, 
the the stone, you know. So so people people want these magical powers, um, and and it appears that it's mostly the humans that do. So um, I don't know if it's because of greed or if it's just a way to fight their um, mortality. I don't know. I think that's kind of it as far as the queen is concerned. I think she wants to rule and live forever. She thinks like she's the answer to England being strong. Yeah. 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 Like she, she thinks that after she, uh, she goes, the, the country will be, you know, go, you know, collapse. Right. So she's basically a typical, uh, I guess, um, sociopath. Uh, that's in power, which yep. is I'm all important, and and if I go, the you know the the rest doesn't matter. Well, and I think she's raised well, to be a sociopath. You know what I mean? Just, well, yeah. not, not only that, but you also have to remember I don't think she had any kids. So I mean, the problem is is that she she has nobody. Like when she dies, she realizes she doesn't really have anybody that she can really. Uh, hand over her kingdom to. Yeah. Last of the Tudors, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, she, and what is it? She killed off Elizabeth, Queen of Scots, and, and betrayed her. You know, yeah. So, she, yeah, she doesn't have, for whatever reason, yeah, and then she was, quote unquote, the virgin queen, meaning because I think she never married either. Though, right. it, though there's rumors that she had multiple affairs with various. Um, noblemen and and such. It's just and I guess she just couldn't get pregnant or sh- or something. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with with Queen Elizabeth the first. I haven't really uh, done too much research on on her uh, historically. Um, but either way, uh, yeah. So, but again, though, even if she doesn't have an ear, just like every human being on the face of the earth, they don't want to die, right? <laughs> It's, and and also, um, yeah, being a, a a person in power, you could even argue, besides sociopath, megalomaniac, they don't want to give it up, right? I mean, it's like any billionaire, you know, you can't take it with you, so you have to stay alive, or or it doesn't matter anymore. Um, now, well, let's talk about. Uh, the, as I said, is a joke last week, and it turned out to be fairly accurate. Uh, the Chekhov's alchemist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so basically, that would be uh, uh, Mary Sidney, right? That, that's her name, I think, yeah. Yeah, Mary Sidney is the, the alchemist that we met last episode. And... Um, she, okay, they go back to her, and I forget I forget the exact reason why they specifically went back to her, but it leads them to fortunately go see someone of note. Thought uh, to them because of the getting her ready for meeting with the queen, or okay. meeting before that, right, right, and that leads them to uh, John D who is um, the, the Queen's astrologer. And um, if I'm not mistaken, John D 
when he's discussing about Edward Kelly, who was his like assistant, um, who stole a book uh, entitled the book of life or what they think is the book of life I, is, I believe the book of life is the, the book, right? That they're yes. looking for. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, they think it is anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Right. That's right. The book that he, that they, that he has it's, and the queen is pretty much looking for the one with the, uh, you know, the the philosopher's stone, which uh, is used both for uh, a formula to make you live forever, but it's also used for turning uh, something like uh, lead into gold. But the book of life is supposed to have that info in it, isn't it? Well, they're not sure. Last I mean, they're really the vampire. Well, the vampires or well, the creatures have don't know. Right. I mean, I mean Deanna has, has seen it, right? Because well, she Deanna's it was called it. Ashmole 782. That's what it was called. Yeah. And the point Fox. is right. The thing is that she just no one really all they know is is that the um all they know is that that book has information to help the creatures. Okay? They don't know anything about the philosopher's stone. I don't think they really care that they don't seem to care too much about the Philosopher's Stone. Um, they just want to. They they're they're more interested in what's you know in what's in that book for them. I don't really think they care too much about the Philosopher's Stone part. But yeah, well, I think I, th- I think the Philosopher's Stone is is just a a a, um, a, sh- a red herring. So they you know <laughs> to get the queen off their back and allow them to go after this Robert Kelly guy. Yeah, because well, yeah, there is no philosopher's stone. They're basically saying that, or the queen is kind of saying, "Isn't am I right that she thinks Robert Kelly can create a philosopher's stone?" Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, because he has that book, right? right. But that I mean, doesn't mean that's true. I mean, you know, again, now there are there you know. are rumors. I mean, there have been stories of the philosopher's stone being in existence. It, I mean, there it's legends. But I've read like I mean I've read one or two books that contain that talk about it, where it is you know there is something like a philosopher's stone that is you that uh, has been made used to to make gold, but yeah yeah but, yeah, but they're not sure if concerned. Oh yeah, like I yeah like nobody cares like nobody in the like I said nobody in the vampire or the the demon or the witch community really cares about the the philosopher's stone part of it. They just want the, they just want the, their own stuff. But now they've been given a reason to go get the book, which yes, I have info about the philosopher's stone, right? And find this Richard Kelly guy who maybe knows how to use or make one. Um, right. Nothing it's is going to be, he's gonna, yeah, he's going to be stuck in the tower of London, which trust me, ain't a whole lot of yucks. No. Uh, you know, and uh, until he actually makes what it's like, oh, tough luck on him. I'll tell you that much. All right. So I, I got uh, I brought up the Philosopher's Stone on Wiki. And again, uh, not that Wiki is necessarily a reliable source. Uh, it has its history of uh, rubbish uh, as well. But we're going to go with it. Um, generally, it's at least more recently. It's, it seems better. Uh, basically, the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, is a mythical 
alchemical substance capable of turning base metals such as mercury into gold, as, as you guys said, or silver. It is also called the elixir of life. So that's the other part here that Queen Elizabeth was talking about in the show. Useful for rejuvenation and for achieving immortality. For many centuries, it was the most sought goal in alchemy. The Philosopher's Stone was a central symbol of the mystical terminology of alchemy, symbolizing perfection at its finest, enlightenment, and heavenly bliss. Efforts to discover the Philosophy Stone were known as the Magnus Opus. Uh, the Greek great work. Great work is what that's translated to. Um, so, yeah, so it's base metals, uh, including uh, it doesn't say the base metal, so that could be a common and inexpensive metal as opposed to precious. Uh, so, for example, mercury itself, which is considered a metal even though it's liquid. It's the only liquid metal in normal temperatures. Um, and then Magnus Opus, just to finish that part up, uh, is an alchemical term for the process of working with the prima materia, or first matter, um, to create the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, so it's it has been used to describe personal and spiritual transmutations, uh, and so on and so forth. All right, so, and then, you know, we can keep on going to further links to see what prima materia means, and, you know, on and on and on. Um, it's also a very important art, uh, artifact in the first Harry Potter book. Actually, in England, the, Harry, the first Harry Potter book is called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I think in our, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been in many, many, uh, fictional, uh, books and stories, uh, and, as a matter of fact, and obviously one of the most, uh, famous, at least in the modern era is specifically related to, um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, uh, novel. Uh, but it's been in, you know, uh, all the way back into the 14th century Swedish oh, poem. Yeah called Den Visten, a uh, chapter in a book from 1606 called Alchemia, a uh, science fiction novel in 1969 by Colin Wilson, um, Indiana Jones and the Philosopher's Stone, which was a, a uh, novel in the universe of the Indiana Jones uh, movies, and uh, a book by Peter Marshall called The Philosopher's Stone, A Quest for the Secrets of Alchemy. So, alchemy, I'm sorry. So, yeah, yeah, so it's... Uh, but you're right. Anybody who hears that term, they probably think of Harry Potter. Well, recently, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's part of the zeitgeist right now. Um, the, and that's why I said in the modern era. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you go back in 1950 when you said Philosopher's Stone, it meant something else, uh, or people thought of something else. Um, right. So yeah. So that's basically all right. So the, the, what it is is that this Kelly guy stole the book supposedly. He fled to what is now the Czech Republic, uh, so it's basically the the historical province of Bohemia, which is um, the most western province in old time uh, Czech Republic days, uh, because technically now Bohemia isn't necessarily um, a district in the Czech Republic. It's it's been broken up with the, the two or three other districts they, they the old districts have been recreated to form different like counties and stuff so but historically the, the whole western half is considered um bohemia and 
what it is is they want to go and get the book, and so they use they 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 trick Queen Elizabeth into allowing them to go by saying that they will help her get Robert Kelly to come back so he can work on a philosopher's stone so she can become immortal and she agrees now the main problem for this whole bit is diana will have to temporarily end her uh training with the cabal of witches that she's now working with though she promises them that she's going to continue studying and training alone while she's on the trip. And though Bohemia isn't that far away from London in for modern days, you know, that's like a three hour flight or something. Um, we get, we get an interesting uh, take from Matthew when he talks to the little boy, which kind of now makes me think maybe you're you're right the boy jack that he is a spy um because he's, he explains how he's going to get there he's going to they're going to head towards france to where his family's from and then they're going to take this this route that will lead them to bohemia and he specifically says that it will take a long time and it's dangerous yeah, 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 and it's it's dangerous. Yeah, that's true. Because back in those days, uh, I mean, this is that back in those days, Europe was similar to I would say, uh, like Iran, Iraq, and Syria is today. Meaning, if you aren't from one of those countries and you were in those countries, especially in rural areas, you could be considered an enemy just for the fact that you're not from there. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it could be very dangerous because you're going to be entering nations that have no peace treaties. And And, and there's also a lot of fiefdoms too. Well, and, um, they want to, uh, what was it? They're, they, they hunt witches too. Oh, that's another one too. They're they're also, uh, you know, they hunt witches, uh, more than they do in England. That that is true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we know, uh, continental Europe, even though England has had some witch problems and and is the big thing in the United States because of Salem, which was actually less than 20 people, uh, maybe even less than 10. um, Continental Europe had mass mass slaughtering of people who were um said to be witches so yeah it's 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 a similar to almost like the spanish inquisition but instead of uh killing jews and protestants and muslims they were killing um people who were claimed to be witches well and first on their journey they're going to go see his dad because they've been summoned his nephew comes and tells him right so we're going to start seeing other parts of europe uh, and it's going to start with France. Yep. Which would be kind of interesting. Um, but I guess 
do we before we talk about what we think is going to happen there? I guess we should talk about Deanna's training with um, uh, Goody Alsop and and all those folk. Yeah, she ends up becoming uh, well, not becoming. She is found to be how to describe it. Um, like they they have four people that they they have four witches around her that are kind of masters of the four elementals earth wind fire and water and they say all right you know you got to pick you got to see which one calls up to you the most and turns out they all did and so she ends up she realizes she's she has the potential of being the mass a master of earth wind of all four element of, of all four elements now i kind of knew that was going to happen did oh you yeah. guys know that too they pretty much showed us that with all the different powers through the first season with the water the air i had already caught on to that in the first season right never mind the fact that she she was supposed to be more powerful than any other witch right anyway right right exactly she just hadn't learned it because her parents were trying to hide her from Knox, basically um yeah, so I, I thought uh, I felt these special effects here were pretty kind of cool. Uh, um, I loved well, the first scene that was interesting is they put her in like a pentagram or, or the circle or something, and they have this like drone shot or, or, or crane shot that looks directly down, and the special effects to do basically the the circle that she's standing in, mist or smoke comes out of it. And I'm pretty sure it was an easy way they did it, which is it from the view from above, it looked like it was black paint, but in reality it was probably just a black hole like like in the in the floor, and then they just pumped smoke through the hole to make it look like it came from out from nowhere. Yeah, I think there. I, I agree, and I think there were some really cool special effects in this, like when uh, her aunt's wife was doing the scrying, that smoke stuff. That was pretty cool too. Yeah, that was actually. Yeah, um, I also liked how the power or magic, I should say, when she visualized it, turned into like strings of light and then the light actually became corporal and she could turn that light you know like tw- actually weave it or twist it like it was right. strings and again those effects very cool and yet also probably lo-fi too because they probably really did use strings and then they just shined it light on it a certain way and then used um, like a smoky room, um, and then when they shine light on the strings, it looked more mystical and stuff. I mean, that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, I would they could have had some CGI in there too, but I don't know. Either way, it was pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think those were my favorite scenes of this episode were the training scenes. And usually I don't like training scenes. They, they're kind of boring. I mean, 
there's some exceptions like the original karate kid you know wax on wax off and things like that nature actually were, were interesting but a lot of shows are movies where they have montages or, or just like training even if it's not montage kind of it's too slow but i was engrossed very much so in these scenes they're they're really interesting i felt yeah i completely agree um i like so, oh god yeah please. i was gonna say so there's that one woman that keeps seeming iffy around her <laughs> the one that was watching and then yeah. they have a conversation afterwards I'm still not getting what her problem is <laughs> right yeah, that's a good question. That was the one. Was that the one that she freaked out when she when she uh, aged that bowl? Yeah, aged the bowl of fruit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just shock that there's someone that powerful. It could be, but just the whole time she was sitting there watching her, I just felt like I was trusting her less and less with the looks on her face. Well, I was actually wondering a little bit, do you think she might have been the one that has uh, been spying and, and, and giving her uh, to giving away, uh, um, giving her away to steal? Seems possible. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. you know. Yeah, that, that's one thing about this, this season. The antagonists or, or, or I mean... I mean, they're not necessarily true antagonists yet because you know we we don't we don't know yet if they're black or white, but they've shown us enough hints to make us question um, their integrity, even if they're still quote unquote good on the good side, because we've seen Kit be a dink and until we see this woman freak out, and I think you could be right, she because why would they keep on? showing her all freaking out even in this episode unless she is the checkoff switch or checkoff spy if you prefer right maybe she she realizes she could be in trouble um you know perhaps she figures oh i i'm in trouble so i'm uh you know in order to to save my own skin i'll sell out this new witch i don't know right or or to gain power like remember in season one uh, yep. Diana's friend sold her out to Knox just because she thought she could, you know, gain uh, something, you know. And there's a lot of factions. Right, right. And, and, and faction, you've got Cecil doing her orders, but he's his own faction. Then you've got the vampire faction, you know, the guy that rules London. And uh, the witches and different factions within the witches. And now the father is calling him home. I mean, there's just, they're in a lot of danger. Right, right. And and then, of course, you just have uh, hu- human weakness, uh, or in this case, supernatural mystical being weakness. Basically, uh, their own wants and desires, they think about themselves before they think about their friends or their community sometimes. Yeah. You know, just people in general, right? I mean, people yeah. Yeah. backstab her all the time, even if it's, they don't even think it's a big deal. So, yeah. Let's see what else. I knew Deanna, I can't want to say my sister-in-law's name. I knew Diana 
was not going to want to stay in London alone with without Matthew around. Yeah, even because one, I mean, she actually got. Sorry, did I interrupt? No, no. Because uh, uh, I mean, at one point, I mean, she says to him, um, uh, "I can't remember." She says, "You know, you need me." you know, to help you because she's the only one that could really get that book or something like that. And Matthew's just because Matthew actually wanted her to stay and train as well. But he also realized that if we don't get that book, we and it's going back to our question from last week. It's well, then how I mean, she can't get that book. They can't get back. But. It's kind of like, well, how I, I mean, is it because they need what's in that book? to be able to go back or they just can't come back without that book. Cause I mean, they're making it sound like without that book, they're going to be stuck there. Not because, you know, because she, she doesn't know how to get them back, which is, which still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Me neither. I'm still wondering about that. Yeah. Cause I mean, she can, she can obviously jump, but I don't know. Well, yeah, why could she jump one way but not the other way? Exactly. But at the, at the same time, I thought she did jump the other way. I mean, it may have been like 15 seconds into the future, but she still did jump into the future. She did more of that. She went back in the 25 days or whatever and then came back normal time when they went to, to the dance with his mom. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, interesting. So I don't I don't understand why that book is such a factor of getting her back in modern times unless they would. Oh, they... actually, actually, that's not true. The, the, you got to remember, if, if I'm not mistaken, let me, let me interject here and explain what I'm thinking. And you guys let me know if I'm right. It's not the book that can bring them back to the future. They just want the book. Because leverage in the future it has power. The pro, the reason they can't get back to the future is because she hasn't trained well enough yet. Isn't that how it was? That, that's how they're they're making it sound. It's really hard to tell because they're saying they can't go to the future without the book, but that might be because they feel they need it for their power play. And she, it doesn't make sense that she's not trained enough since she's. She's gone to the past how many ever years. She can't go back to their future. You would think it'd be easier. You'd be drawn like a magnet to your normal time. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, I I, I have to agree. If, if there is one flaw that that makes me scratch my head, and, and, you know, Kevin, you brought it up well last week, saying why don't they just have the three items or something like that that, that you need to to do something. But... It's specifically the ability to go back and forth. So why don't they just say we got to stay here until we get the book because we need the book to you know protect us from Knox as well as to figure out how to save the vampires. So that's the yeah. only reason why we're not going back to the future. Not this, I guess, weird story that has to have her now train and all this. Even though the training is awesome, I wish the training was just to make her more powerful. Yep. Not because they have to use it to get back. Right. I don't like the whole get back part of it because they've gone back without items, first off. <laughs> right. Oh, gone to the future without the items. So I don't understand why they just can't go back when they want to. 
it, and they could just use the logic of she needs to train. She needs to get this training. So when they go back, she's more powerful and they need the book. So they have that as leverage. That's all they need to say. They don't need to be, have it as complex as it seems to be right now. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and even though she's not fully developed her powers, she still is probably the most powerful being there is for, for at least these supernatural beasts, because she is not only a time tripper, but she's also a, a magic weaver. Right. So, but yeah, so it's, it's this kind of weird convoluted plot device to keep them back in the 1590 when I wish they had just said that we can't go back because we have to get the book before we go back or we're in trouble or something like that. Yeah, they're hiding in time until they get more powerful and gain access to the book. That's it. That's all they need to say. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I would I would have liked more so than this kind of convoluted piece that that is happening instead. I have to when they're talking about magic like with uh with that one uh old woman she it was reminding me of Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, you mean uh, Goody Elsop. Yeah, because Goody with Goody Elsop, because some of the things she's describing with magic, she's making it sound like the Force, you know, and and it's kind of and and it's it was just reminding me of the whole time with Empire Strikes Back with Luke and Yoda. I mean, not discovering not, not how we meet Yoda, but the whole thing about you know her trying to teach like. You can feel the for you know you can feel the magic slash force flow through you through this element and through that element and you can feel it with this and that I mean it's just she's I mean it sounded so much like the force from Star Wars I'm not complaining I'm just making an observation. Well, and my my big problem is why go I mean I know because it's dependent on this three item thing which doesn't seem to be the case for going into the future. This three-item thing, they had to go to a specific time, but that time doesn't seem like the smartest time to go. <laughs> Seems like a very dangerous time. Well, I mean, if it was an easy time, you wouldn't have much of a show. <laughs> well, that I know, but... But the thing is, I think also, is that that's like one of the last... I think they did it because that's like one of the last times that the book, people actually knew where it was. And it's it's like since then, no one really knew where the book was, so it was kind of hard for them to you know, figure out, you know, where it is. So it's kind of a, well, we know the book was here at this particular time and at this particular part in history, so we'll just go there. I mean, that's the only thing I can figure out. Right. I mean, they're doing a good a good job i think with the time travel aspect oh yeah because a lot of times i really hate time travel in shows <laughs> this one seems to be doing pretty good yeah i would i would concur um i i think the the, the issue that i have is the convoluted reason why they yeah. they can't go back agreed yeah, I mean, as, as time travel itself, I mean, they explained it out perfectly why, while why Matthew's double isn't there because they, I mean, again, it's an assumption, but that assumption, uh, and and um, 
I guess you know it's it's spoken in episode one of season two um, in exposition format, which is oh the reason they don't see my double is because we most likely displaced him until we leave, and then when we go back to the 2021, my double will return. Well, it's also explained in in season one when they went back and did the dance with the mom, they they basically took the place of themselves, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, That's but it's also interesting because when you had the the glass guy, uh, the Scottish guy come in, he said, "Yeah, you know the your last um, what you call it, your last uh, a landlord complained that you left without paying." Right. Yeah, so we changed locations too. <laughs> yeah, I have a question about this this Gallo Glass guy. Um because yeah, he's supposed to be the nephew of Matthew. And again, Matthew is, is has a different name in this period, I forget what it's called. But he's supposed to be French, right? Yet this guy here, Gallo Glass, isn't French. So is he a nephew by some extended family rather than blood because he well, goes i can't go back to france because they, they'll kill me over there because i'm and i was like that doesn't make any sense and his last name is gallo glass it's not claremont so it's not like he's a french man i mean he has a scottish last name so it's like who is he is, is he related by some marriage or something well remember i mean we we were discussing last time that uh matthew's mother might not actually be his actual mother Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're talking vampires. Yeah. So, so is this bat, this glass, uh, gallo glass guy, is he a vampire too? Created? No. So. You think so? I think so. Right. So you're right. So they call. Yeah, yeah. So this isn't family by normal human understanding. This is family through like vampires. How his mother isn't really his natural mother his mother is the one that turned that created him or turned him you know what i'm talking about yeah it just gets confusing because we don't know like is it somebody that they were you know all the different siring it gets confusing it's it'd be hard to know <laughs> right right because the mother that we know that matthew has who's a claremont is his mother because she sired him, not because it's his blood mother. Right. So, yeah. Well, so be, from what I go. remember, she sired him and then adopted him. Correct, correct, right. But but right. what I meant was, was it's not blood, right? So that this Glasgow guy could still, Gallo Glasgow could still be his relative, even if there's no blood, because it's part of the siring process. Maybe. Well, then there is kind of blood, though. <laughs> There's an exchange of blood, which makes them all blood family, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I know, like the Vikings, they they considered blood siblings as important as um, genetic siblings. So maybe vampires are the same, where they they consider siring relations as important as genetic relations well i mean speaking i mean i'll I'll also mention this it's 
speaking as a Christian, talking about blood, um, you know, for us, um, because of, you know, because we kind of, we see ourselves linked by, by the shed blood of Jesus, we see each other as brothers and sisters, you know, there's like a spiritual family rather than a, um, I mean, obviously other than a natural family. I mean, that's why, I mean, sometimes when you talk to Christians, they'll refer to each other as brother and sister, even though they're, you know, genetically family speaking, not brother and sister. They're just, it's just something that we call, we, we sometimes will call each other. So yeah, it could, I mean, yeah, it could be kind of convoluted. I mean, it's like maybe this guy was sired by somebody who was in that family. And then I don't know, like, right. That was relative of, of Matthew's adopted mother sired somebody. I don't, I don't know. Right. Um, now, let me ask you this. Uh, if we go back for a second to Diana and her training with um, Alsop, um, the tree, what what was the tree exactly? It, they were talking about that it, it could be something to do with a, a gate or something. Or did I misunderstand that? They were saying something it's, like that. Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, it sounded like it was a gateway between worlds. I mean, when I first saw it, it made me think of—I uh, can't pronounce it—Igirasil, which yeah, is the, the tree from the Norse gods. Tree from the Norse, yeah. for Norse, but also it reminded me of the Celtic uh, tree of life. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought both of those things as well, uh, specifically the 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 Skull or however you pronounce it, the, the the Norse one. But I was trying to decipher what they were talking about, the witches, by saying that it was some sort of gate or something, and I didn't know what that necessarily meant. Did, did that mean a gate to get that would deliver her more power, or an actual gate where they would go well, to a different dimension? Well, I mean, if you look at uh, I think the Norse legends. I mean, the Yggdrasil. If I'm mispronouncing this, yeah, that, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yggdrasil. Okay. Well, if I'm still mispronouncing it, please forgive me. But and if if you want to correct me, please feel free to email us at darkdiscussions at aol dot com. Um, but the thing is, is that Yggdrasil was a a tree that connected the different realms together. So. This could be that could I mean, that kind of sounds more like a gateway where you can go like, you, you know, through the branches of Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil from one realm to another, if that makes sense. Well, right. I, but Goody calls uh-huh. it a union of opposites or something like that. Right. Well, and that's the thing is, is like. I, I, I don't know if they're going to. Would, again, we haven't read the books, so we, we don't know as much as, say, folks who have read the books who are also listening to this podcast. Um, are these other worlds going to be there? In other words, if you follow the tree, can you go to Hodenhelm or or um, Valhalla or where are giants? Yeah, actually, I already said giant. That's the same as Hodenhelm. So, yeah, or, you know, or the land of men, which is earth, or are they going to just have other dimensions 
that we don't know about. I mean, in other words, right now, they're really stuck in the supernatural beings in the Christian world. But are they going to switch now to folklore? Well, maybe it's a gateway to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's something we're going to have to figure out. Uh, it'll be curious because, again, they didn't really... What you now, Barrett? You said that one of the witches said, "What? What about the tree? That it was a goody." The main witch said, "Like it was a union of opposites, because all those different elements she has to combine to make that, right?" Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess maybe we just don't know enough yet, right? I mean, yeah, I think that's well. As far as the show's concerned, we definitely don't know enough yet. <laughs> and since she's not staying there to train, I don't know when we're going to find out more about that. Yeah, right. Um, what about um, the mystical beings here? Because we're we're kind of finding out that the vampires specifically, and, and we probably already know that the demons and the witches aren't, have nothing to do with the black arts or, or the devil. Because as we see here, we have vampires who are actually strong Christians. For example, Matthew, when he asked for forgiveness from Hubbard, honestly, you know, is is using his Christian faith, his Catholicism, to ask for forgiveness. And I don't think he's he's gaslighting Hubbard. I think he's honest. What do you guys think? Oh, I think he's honest. Yeah, I agree with you. No, I think that the repentance was sincere because, I mean, at the beginning of the of the show, at one point, you see him reciting what people will call the Our Father. You know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I mean, it shows him praying and it also shows, um, you know, him asking, you know, the priest for forgiveness. So granted, he's not asking for God's forgiveness when he's talking to the priest, even though the priest is kind of. Sometimes I think he, he he changes the word God and myself, uh, you know, God and himself, uh, you know, a little too much. But the whole point, though, is that he's uh, there is still he's, he's he, Matthew is called a man of faith by this priest. So. Well, and he even sees it in Matthew's eyes because he says this woman has definitely had a change on you. Right. Yeah. And Talked and, about that earlier. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. So even though he honestly feels bad about it and we're assuming that Hubbard is reading his eyes correctly, in other words, he's not being gaslitted or or just lied to and he just is falling for it. Are we thinking that Matthew is, feels bad about it? Not because he, he just for the fact that he killed someone and, and, and whatnot, but he honestly feels bad about because of his Christian Catholic faith. Yeah. And that the guy is innocent. Right. I mean, he said, if I was truly merciful, I would have let him float down, you know, put him in a boat and let him float down the Thames. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So that, but the thing is though, is that I have to confess, I understand that Matthew was between a rock and a hard place because because, I mean, he killed the guy and he got in trouble for it. But if he let him, but if Matthew let the guy go, um, well, one, 
this guy was one of the reasons why, and the main reason why he was in trouble, not because he was a witch, but because he was a witch that was, that was said to have said some bad things against Queen Elizabeth. Yep. You know, sedition, you know, uh, he was guilty of, they thought he was guilty of sedition, even though he said, you know, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. But the problem is, is that if Matthew had let him go, um, that would really get Matthew. I mean, he, Matthew was already in a little bit of, Matthew already got himself into hot water because he killed the guy. But if he had let him go, that would have been even worse. I mean, that would have showed Matthew to be a traitor to the queen, you know, or they would, because I mean, it's like, well, why did you let him go? Well, he wasn't guilty. Well, let us be the judge of that, you know, and, and it's like, you're, I mean, you are, I mean, Matthew would have, if Matthew let him go, he would have let go a, a potentially very dangerous prisoner, even though Matthew believed him to be innocent, but nobody else believed him to be innocent. And so that's why Matthew killed him quickly because, you know, he said, look, the only, and, and he said it last episode to Diana said, look, the only way I could keep you safe was to kill him because if I let him go, that would have gotten all of us into trouble where if I just killed them, they would have been upset at me, but you know, they're not, you know, they may wonder about my devotion to the queen, but since the queen herself called him and they talked and the queen is all right with them again, all right with them. So, but I mean, if he had let him go, he, he would not have gotten that chance. He would have not have got, not have gotten the queen's forgiveness so easily. Right, so it, it was almost like it was almost like a uh, the machinations of of politics and and espionage, where he had to make a decision to take out somebody to protect more people, rather than to have faith that that one person wouldn't just give up the information because. That one person, even if he let him go and he was recaught again, they could torture him to give up information. So the smartest move that Matthew felt was right, even if it was morally wrong, he, he made the decision to take him out because it would end any anything that re resulted with that guy either being tortured or betraying Matthew or... Uh, or not, I think. I would agree. I mean, I don't think getting in the Queen's good graces was easy, though. I mean, they, I think this actually was a boon for the Queen because she wanted to force him to go there anyway, and this just made it easier for her to get him to do her bidding. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mean to... I mean, when I first said easy, I realized, no, easy is not the right right word. But uh, if, if Matthew would let the guy go he would not have been able to get her forgiveness or anything at all. Where yeah. in this case, even though she questioned his loyalty, she was still questioning it. Not, Oh, you are no longer loyal. You are officially a traitor now. I mean, so essentially if Matthew let Matthew let him go, he would have been a traitor. He would have been seen as a traitor no matter what. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And, and yeah, and we knew what you meant. Um, when when you said easy uh, again, and I knew what you 
And I just wanted to be clear, clear up a little bit that it wasn't yeah. oh, yeah. easy that it was that she, you know, I think this was part of her plan. She was looking for something to force him to do what she wanted him to do anyway. Well, the thing is, is that I have a feeling she would have, I mean, it was her that essentially uh, sent Matthew up to Scotland in the first place. I mean, if she called him in and said, hey, there's this book, I want you to go get it for me. He'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. I mean, I mean, he knew it would be dangerous, but he's not going to say no to the queen. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we saw how crazy it was back then, where when you left the queen's presence, they got back. back out of the room. I mean, that's well, insane. Interesting that she told everybody to leave so she could talk to them separately. That, you know, was surprise. Even Cecil. Yeah, she wanted to talk to those guys alone. Yeah. Right. That's true. Now, let's talk about um, Emily again. Emily's the the uh, her aunt. Uh, that's that's her aunt's spouse, I guess. Um, let's talk about her for a second. Do you do we think? What, 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 let me ask you this. She brings in the mist. She's doing this this secret ceremony or spells without her spouse, uh, Sarah, knowing in the middle of the night to talk to the dead, I guess. We're assuming that the, the, the Rebecca means Deanna's mother's ghost or spirit. Now, as it's forming, and we do see the beginning of a face, and she whips her hand, meaning Emily whips her hand to get rid of the smoke and basically end the, the magic. Why did she do that? Was it because it was the wrong face that appeared, like a spy? Was it because she freaked out and she didn't know it was going to work? Do we know? Because it... it Scared. We don't know, but it seemed that she was scared. Me. Right. And the question is why? Was it because, again, the face was a spy? You know, like not someone that knocks nose or something? Or was it, you know, like maybe it was the Finnish witch? I mean, we didn't get a really good glimpse enough. Or was it because she was shocked that it worked? Or we just don't have enough information. I, I will say this. I did watch the preview for next week. And they show her doing it again in the preview. Yeah. I don't think she was surprised it worked so much as what showed up. That seemed more of the surprise and scare for her. To me. I could be wrong, though. Sure, sure. Yeah. And uh, um, also, we don't, I don't know. It's interesting because, again, we, we weren't ever privy to the the parents meaning diana's parents relationship to her aunt and or specifically her aunt's spouse emily but based off of this it seems that emily must have known diana's parents in other words she didn't marry sarah after the death of sarah's sibling she is i'm assuming that they are she already knew diana's parents even before um their their, their passing and you know what i'm saying words, you know it's you know what i'm saying in other words she knew she married sarah and diana's parents were still alive at that time yeah 
for sure. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. they were together before the parents croaked or were killed, whatever. Okay. Just for clarification there, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I don't know that she's trying to be secretive about her scrying because she has done scrying without the other woman around before, like in the first season. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, she's still an individual. She doesn't have to tell her spouse everything that she's doing. And especially if it's not uh, cheating or anything like that, it's just, you know, she has her personal time like anyone else. Um, so I guess you're right. It's It's not necessarily she's purposely doing it without Sarah knowing. So she is doing it in the middle of the night when Sarah's sleeping. Yeah. That's the, that's the reason why I was wondering. Well, it could be because she needs to do it at night. I don't know. Maybe the spell requires that or something, that particular one. I don't know. There's right. a lot of possibilities there. Or, or it could be because it's Sarah's sister she's trying to talk to. Yeah, that could be, too, just out of being yeah. nice, not letting her see her dead sister. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's sister. I, I, because I don't know, I, I forget from season one whether Sarah was the sister of Rachel or the sister of Rachel's husband. I can't remember. I forget. Let me let me see here. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Actually, you know what? It's uh, Sarah Bishop. So that it's actually her sister-in-law. So Rachel's her sister-in-law. She's the because Diana's last name is. Bishop, meaning um, her father was bishop as well, so her father was the brother of Sarah. Okay, gotcha. All right, now I'm putting this together a little bit. <laughs> uh, but either way, you're right. I mean, it's still his her sister-in-law that that got murdered. So, is it appropriate to conjure up one's dead sister-in-law? You know, help permission. So, yeah. Not necessarily appropriate or just not nice if you do that. Right, exactly. Um, now, if this is the case where she can talk to ghosts, this will add an extra element, I think, into the story going forward. Because now, when you're dead, you can st- you can still talk to those that are alive. And I know in, in Christianity and, and whatnot... People, to, you know, always pray and whatnot. But I'm not talking about through spiritual praying, but actual interchange between a dead person and a live person. It's called necromancy. Yeah. yeah. So, so that that actually may be a new element in this TV series starting next week, which will be interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. I get this feeling like, are they both dead? Maybe one of them's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're told that they were murdered. Yeah. But we haven't seen the flashback, and we haven't, you know, and again, you know, who knows? They could do a Jon Snow as well, right? Right, exactly. Who knows? Because we are talking magic and, and all this other stuff. Yeah. And in this show, magic is more real than in game of thrones right game of thrones it was it was thought that magic people were like 
very limited amounts and and it was just really the the red witch you know the the red religion yeah you're not quite sure if it's real or just earth bot or whatever right exactly um so but so yeah yeah so they they may go that route um with the necromancy um and and commune with the dead you know ouija board type stuff but with spells instead um that'll be curious um anything else that we want to discuss about this episode have we missed everything have we, i mean missed anything have we anything anybody wanted to bring up that we haven't yet i think we talked about everything in the in the episode possible yeah it was a shorter episode it was only about 45 minutes i think i was gonna say it felt short to me i i, it, I wanted more <laughs> it felt like it was all of a sudden over i was like dang it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a quick one. Um and and it was also uh like the first two episodes which is they had episodic scenes you know 3 to 4 or 5 per episode and and that's really it, right? I mean it, and most of the the scenes are the same characters so it's not like uh a, a huge ensemble cast, right? So everything is is pretty straightforward in this show compared to say game of thrones or westworld or something like that um all right um anybody want to talk about uh next week's preview uh what we saw there it looks like it's going to be mostly next week's episode it's going to be in the present well we see the one vampire that wants to get rid of the claremonts confront the woman claremont um yeah, the matriarch of the Claremont. Yeah, the family. matriarch, you know, about like where is he, you know, and she's like, you honestly, you actually came out here to ask him, ask me where he is. You might as well just sent an email. Um, that's really all I remember. Right. Oh, yeah. and <laughs> that scene was so cool. I liked it. it was... Yeah, I know. I mean, it was very, it was very good. You know. <laughs> oh, and didn't we, we see? You also got to remember that's where the two wit that's where the witch couple are staying, right? Oh, they're staying there. So I mean, you makes you wonder: are, are they going to see this confrontation, or are they not going to know about it, or what? So that's going to be interesting. Also, um, we we and I think it's because it's, it, again, I haven't watched the, the season one for a bit, but the young kid in the preview is that the the young kid that was Matthews. Oh yeah, younger brother. Yeah, and he so he's gonna have a big role in this episode, I think, too. Mm. Yeah, and and then he's talking to some younger, some pretty woman who happens to be out searching for him for some reason, and so I'm wondering if she's like a spy or or, or something too. So that'd be curious to figure out as well. Well, it's helpful that they have an extra two episodes for their storyline this season that they didn't have last season. You're right, right. Yeah, I think last season was, what, eight sto- eight episodes or something like that? Yeah. yeah. And and this one is is 10, is it, or 11? Yeah, 10. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, then we have uh, in the preview Emily actually talking to the spirit. We see that, um, yeah. So, and I don't. I didn't think they. I don't think they showed anything really of fifteen ninety 
in next week's episode. So I wonder how it's going to be because, again, the focus on Diana and Matthew has been pretty pretty standard throughout the series, and now they're going to switch to all the peripheral characters I'm and have an episode without them at all, maybe. Yeah, it'll give us a little break from the 1590s, and like they'll probably travel in the you know while this episode's going on, they'll probably be traveling and they'll just be where they're supposed to be in the episode after. But we'll get more info on what the other side is doing to try and stop them. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what goes on next week. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to add about uh, this week's episode, episode three of the season? All right, I guess we well, yeah, I guess we really did pretty much wrap it all up. Um, all right, before we get into our final thoughts, uh, just a couple more things. Uh, once again, it's darkdiscussions.com. Uh, where you can find the podcast besides on darkdiscussions.com. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. So you can just search for a discovery of witches, demons, and vampires podcast on like Stitcher or Spotify or wherever. Um, You also can search for Dark Discussions podcast because even though this is – its own podcast. We we throw it on that feed as well, um, and then of course there's the 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 main, or not the main, but but the generic feed, which is Dark Discussions Network of podcasts, and that includes this podcast, but it has all the other thirty or so podcasts on the network. Um, so yeah, so basically what it is is a Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires podcast feed is just this show then there's the dark discussions podcast feed which is all the podcasts that any of the co-hosts on this show contribute to so that is the dark discussions podcast the halloween boutique psychotronic reviews podcast um don't tell me i'll tell you the stand podcast as well as this podcast and then some older podcasts such as uh, the Undoing, a therapy session podcast, which was based off of the HBO television series. Um, and then the, th- the third feed is Dark Discussions Network of Podcasts, and that has any podcast that's on the network, no matter who the co-host is. So uh, if you like genre um, discussions, um, any of them are fine. It just depends on if you want just us or just the show, or any show on the network. Um, You can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and we'd like to hear your thoughts, uh, not only on uh, how you like our show or dislike our show or or anything of that nature, but anything you want to add, your thoughts about A Discovery of Witches, um, your feelings, your uh, opinions, your... Uh, view based off of if you read the book, any changes, things of that nature that you want to talk, we'll read those uh, emails on the podcast. And then, of course, anybody that's related to the show or the books, we would gladly uh, love to hear from any of you as well. So, for example, we would gladly hear from Deborah Harkness to hear 
uh, her thoughts uh, about us. If she wanted to uh, even be interviewed by us, we'd gladly uh, talk to her for a bit. Um, Teresa Palmer, Matthew Good, uh, anybody else, any of the screenwriters, directors, uh, miscellaneous actors and actresses, uh, people behind the scenes, we're always willing to um, talk to you folks and even open up an extra episode where we would uh, interview uh, you folks. So uh, that would be cool, too. Um, and that's pretty much it there. So I guess we can give our final thoughts on the episode. Uh, so let's start with you, Barrett. I really liked this episode. I thought the um, CGI slash graphics that were needed were done nicely and subtly. Um, the acting was, as usual, good. The historical narrative fits in well with the world building. Um, it's just a, a tight show, and I'm looking forward to seeing the next episode. All right, very well. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, I think this was the best episode of the season two so far. Um, uh, it was much easier to follow. Uh, obviously, last week um, I had a passing in my family, so last week's episode I didn't concentrate as well as I, I would have had I not had the passing. Uh, but either way, um, this episode was was pretty linear and easy to follow. The characters that were introduced um, were few, and most of the other characters we had already known. Um, the handful that we met uh, were uh, easily introduced, uh, so it, I didn't get lost at any point. Um, I do like... Um, the witch scene specifically the training scene, because that was an, like a sort of an action scene in the middle of the episode, even if it was still not like Arnold Schwarzenegger action, it was still kind of actiony. So um, it was a nice change up for a show. That's generally a dialogue show. Um, and then uh, I do like um, this new turn they're going to do where they're going to head to, continental Europe and we're going to see uh, medieval Europe uh, or, or, or I guess Renaissance Europe um, which would be France and the Czech Republic and, and probably a couple other places so that'll be interesting too um, I'll be a little maybe a little disappointed or maybe not next week because they're, they're going to switch characters but um, that, that may actually work out so we'll see late next week about that uh kevin uh like usual this is a good episode i enjoyed it it's definitely a build-up episode um but these build-up episodes are also very good and entertaining they contain they they keep your attention they're not dull the like phil said the training segments are uh how shall i say it? the the trading segments are not long okay they have a little bit of a trading segment um like okay this is like a couple minutes of okay i just experienced this wow i just really experienced something really massive and then that's about it you know it doesn't talk about her struggling to try to tie these knots over and over and over again it's just it she struggled a little bit. Okay, I couldn't. I like the whole thing of, oh, but I didn't finish all four of the knots. Uh, don't worry about it. There'll be other times. I mean, they just they're very patient with her, and they're not, you know. And she's harder on herself than than the other witches are with her. It's, hey, you did a, you did really good, and 
you know, you'll get another chance. Don't worry. And, um, yeah, it, like I said, the acting is fantastic. Um, it keeps you, keeps your attention. It's, it's, I, I really enjoy the show. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I, I do have to say that I was very worried that Queen Elizabeth the first would be kind of stunt type of uh, character in the show, but it turned out to be okay. It actually worked out well. Because really, uh, they didn't focus on her too much aside from her power, and they kind of did side angles of her more than... So. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and they didn't use... I mean, other movies and st- such that we've seen this character, um, you know, the, that character was the main focus and the dominating thing. Here, she just looked like any typical political machination person, whatever, and I think it worked out pretty good. So, yeah, I, I would concur with you. More of the people's reactions to her and her power rather than her showing power. She's just sitting there and you think this is a regular woman, but people show her so much deference. You can tell. <laughs> well, and, and that's interesting. You said that Barrett, because there's a, a line in this episode that says that she's just a person too. They, and she just needs power. She just wants things like everybody else. Yeah. And, and they actually kind of said that too. They, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they basically said that in the episode. I thought that was kind of interesting. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's actually cool. Um, all right. So, uh, when will you guys hear us from us again? Well, you guys will hear from us again, uh, next week, uh, when we discuss episode four of the season. Um, so we will be recording that episode on the 31st of January, the last day of the month and hopefully have it released on february 1st so next week's episode will be released on friday january 29th in the uk and saturday the 30th in the us of a and uh remember for folks in the states you can uh, join deborah harkness on her twitter uh page where she uh does a viewing party and uh, I'm trying to find her hashtag for that. So folks who want to come on uh, Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m., Witches Watch Party is what she does. So hashtag Witches Watch Party. Uh, Deborah Harkness does that at 8 o'clock on Saturdays. And uh, folks can go check that out. She did write something uh, a couple of days ago where she said, uh, actually yesterday, episode three is, three is done and dusted. I re- will be reveling in every glorious detail tomorrow when I do my Witch Along debrief on Facebook and Insta at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. Uh, Greenwich uh, GMT, whatever, whatever that is. I forget what that is. Um, so it looks like, what is it? Greenwich Mean Time. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, so it looks like uh, 2 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time on Mondays. So that's yeah tomorrow. But by the time people hear this, it'll be over. Uh, she has a witch alarm debrief where she actually answers more questions. So it appears uh, every Saturday night at 8 o'clock, witches watch party. And every Sunday, actually, yeah, I'm sorry, every Sunday uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, she has 
uh, hashtag witch along. So uh, that's kind of cool. Um, all right. So I guess we can uh, wrap it up here and we'll see folks next week. Email us at darkdiscussions.aol.com or the contact form on www.darkdiscussions.com. With that, Barrett, why don't you leave us out? Thanks again for joining us on a Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires podcast. We will be here again next week where we discuss episode four of season two. My screen.